Our sermon today is what concerns our high priest, and the scripture reading is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 9 to 12. As we open our Bibles, online, different versions of the Bible, please let's turn to the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 9 to 12. I believe we are all there, and it reads... Verse 9, and once made perfect, he, beca he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. Verse 10, and he was designated by God to be the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because no longer because you no longer try to understand. Verse 12. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. That is the end of our reading in verse 12. And our preacher today is Reverend Abednego Kasim. I welcome him so that he can take us through the word of God. Let's pray for him together. Dear Lord, we come before your presence this precious morning. We thank you, my Father, because you've prepared a word for us. Jehovah God, our hearts are ready to listen from you. Help us, my Father, to learn from you, to grow in your word spiritually, Lord, so that, my Father, we may be strong Christians and even we may disciple to the others. Jehovah, as our pastor preaches, anointing my Father, use him as your vessel for the glory and honor of your name. We adore you and worship you. For we pray with thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you, each one of you. Good morning. Good morning, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that meets at home. As I always say, this is an opportunity to have many priests, to duplicate very many roles, and I have children and parents share together, even as we go through children, lessons together that parents can actually help. When we are in the in-person service, children usually do their service elsewhere. But this is an opportunity just before we can reopen fully. This is a great opportunity for us to share together. Um, I want us to um, reflect on the words that have been um, read out. Uh, by Asenath, uh, Hebrews chapter 5, uh, 9 to about 14. We might just go uh, beyond 12 and look at 13 and 14 as well. And we are addressing the concerns of our high priests. In this portion of scriptures, we are confronted with a warning in the middle of key descriptions of a high priest. The writer has been introducing Jesus Christ to us as being better. He is the apostle of our profession. That's what he told us. This is what we are getting to hear, that he is the apostle of our profession, that our role is now easy. We go saying there is healing. There is power in the blood of the, the lamb. And people ask him, where is that power? We say, 
We have been told, we have been told, we have learned it from the Bible. And who has said it? Jesus Christ. And everything we say, we cannot be held accountable because he is the professor. He is the apostle of that which we profess. What an easy job it has become for us to go talking about the grace of God and the work of the cross. And he is the big brother to the believer. He is our high priest of God's rest. That Jesus Christ is approachable and he is considerable. We can consider him and approach him because he is compassionate and he is good. He is a, an approachable high priest and he is actually our eternal high priest because he is our high priest forever. But the writer is about to, to conclude this introduction all the way from chapter 1 to chapter 5, talking about him. And he's urging us to move forward towards spiritual maturity, as we shall see in chapter 6. He introduces this topic of maturity through a very bad warning here against apostasy, which is desertion or deserting your religion. Religious, religion actually judges us very harshly. Every time you desert the tenets of faith, you can be called an apostate, Others will call you in, other, in their language, kafiri. If you leave your faith, you become an apostate. And religion judges us very harshly. There are consequences if you leave your faith. And actually, the harshness of religion is that it proposes very severe consequences. If you quit your faith or desert your faith, or you desert your, your calling midway, you will be given a name for, um, uh, which, which implies a failure. And in this particular portion of scriptures, we hear the writer actually doing the same thing. He is giving us a new name which implies a failure. He had Jewish listeners who were drifting away from the Lord's message, drifting down to the other teachings, and finally they were deserting the responsibility given to them by our high priest. They were becoming useless and vomitable priests. And this was a great concern to the eternal high priest. Remember from the word go in chapter 2, where he's talking about the danger of drifting away. He saw a listener. He saw a believer who was drifting away. The Jews were drifting away. And finally, they are becoming useless. Having told us that Christ learned obedience through suffering like we saw uh, last week in verse 8, the writer demonstrates an ugly union of a perfect, consistent savior and a complacent, careless, and useless believer. Similar to the movie we saw about the beauty and the beast, if you remember, where this girl engages in a journey to go and save her father who is chained somewhere by a very bad uh, beast, only to find that this is a very handsome young guy, a prince, who is actually cast. And then the love story continues of the beauty and the beast. And this is like the image I see here, that the writer is talking about the beauty and the beast. Look at the wonderful savior dealing with a useless community. So what do we see? What aspects of these two, the beauty and the beast, do we see here? We see two things. Part A, we see a consistent high priest. From verses 9 to 10, we see a consistent high priest. And then verses 11 to 14, we see a complacent, 
careless believer. What a contrast. And I would like us to pay attention to these reflections. Christ is actually consistent in his obedience to the Father and his calling as a Savior. He plays his part very well. The consistent Savior. He has throughout history demonstrated his obedience. He was obedient from the day he was born. He was tempted. He was fully human and he was also fully God. And he went through the same temptations and trials we go through. He needed fame. He needed esteem. But he obeyed until the last day. His obedience seems to be perfected through suffering and pain. This is what verse 9 is talking about, that he has been made perfect. So his obedience seems to have a source. It is perfected through suffering and pain. His suffering has actually sanctified him and perfected him as a high priest. And there's something that we need to discover here. The Levitical high priests were actually sanctified by the suffering of the animals they sacrificed. Now remember this. Their sanctification was not coming necessarily from the blood. It was primarily the suffering and the pain of that animal and the blood was the evidence of the pain and suffering which meant death. So you had to kill a goat or a sheep and that would suffer, that animal would suffer. The suffering would produce blood before death. So the suffering, the blood, and the death. And that is how the high priest would be sanctified enough to be able to proceed to the Holy of Holies. And there would be no chance to go to the Holy of Holies before that suffering and before the sanctification. It was not eternal sanctification. It was one-time sanctification. Every time the high priest needed to go to the Holy of Holies. So while the evidence was the, it was the blood, the real power was actually in the suffering and death. So being so sanctified, the high priest was fit. He was fit to represent people before God. But Jesus qualified as a high priest in the same Levitical order. But his sanctification is explained here as being superior. Now let us look at this. His suffering and death produced blood as evidence of pain. That way Christ sanctified himself on the cross. Remember? He sanctified himself. He followed the same. He's a high priest. Sanctified but differently. He sanctified himself on the cross. And this sanctification is eternal sanctification of his human nature, in which he performed his priestly office and suffered as a human being. He speaks of himself in John chapter 17, verse 19, that for their sakes I sanctified myself. Suffering and pain precede obedience, therefore, which is perfected in the process. So suffering pass first, and then obedience is is. Or is, is actually produced and then perfected. You learn how to obey through suffering. And the more you suffer, the more you understand how 
obedience is painful and costly. So perfected in obedience by suffering, Christ was raised from the dead and lifted up on the ascension, now seated at the right-hand side of the Father, glorified, and I hear the angels singing and the heavenly creatures singing in Revelation, saying, Holy, 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 and worthy are you, Lamb of God, because of his suffering that he persevered to the end where nobody else did. Jesus sacrificed his heavenly comfort. He exchanged his esteem with shame. Jesus sacrificed his holy body so that the cleansing blood could be produced. In the nick of the hour of maximum suffering, he heard a still voice of the Father calling him home. Then he said, in your hands I lay my spirit. At the peak of maximum suffering, where he is almost naked before his own mother, before the women of Jerusalem. Nobody else was naked. They were covered. They were torturing him, but they were covered. He was tortured. His spirit was tortured. He was insulted and belittled. He was even dressed naked. The maximum suffering. He heard a still voice calling him home and cheering him. And he said, therefore, in your hands, I lay my spirit. That's our consistent, obedient Savior. One who doesn't fail, but contrasts to the beauty and the beast, a complacent, useless, careless believer, whom we have become. The Savior, our high priest forever, he is dealing with a complacent, with an indifferent listener who you and I have become. The writer calls us the dull hearer, that we are dull to hear. The writer finds it even difficult to explain the expectations of this consistent Savior. There is so much to explain concerning Christ and Melchizedek. The explanation of chapter 5, that chapter 6 that he's about to engage in, which is going to talk about maturity, moving on towards perfection, and also chapter 7, which is going to describe fully the priestly functions of Melchizedek. And later, chapter 8, and all the way talk about the priestly functions of Jesus Christ and usefulness of the new tabernacle, and also talking about the new priests and their faith all the way from chapter 10, all the way talking about the, the patriarchs of faith and the role of the faith. As he goes to talk about, he says, this is too hard. This is too hard. And for your information, chapter 6 of Hebrews is believed to be the most difficult chapter, the most complicated chapter in the whole of New Testament, including Revelation. It is too hard to explain how you grow into maturity. He finds it too difficult. Why? It is difficult to be interpreted in that Melchizedek was a typical person worthy of reference to the priesthood of Christ. Why would you compare a human being to a supernatural being? Of course, nobody else on earth can be compared to Christ except Melchizedek. And even you, you are wondering how. Why? Why bring Melchizedek here? Yes, it is too hard to understand. 
Melchizedek was too special to be compared. If you look at uh, Psalms 110 verse 4, which is actually what uh, uh, the writer is quoting, Melchizedek had no parents, by the way. He had no parents, spiritual parents. He had no, no family like mother and father. The Holy Spirit did, does not reveal this to us well. Like Aaron, that there would be a family. From here, this would be priests. Melchizedek stands on his own. He received a calling from the Lord. Only him and nobody else. And he has nothing else. Melchizedek had two crowns of one, a priest and a king of Jerusalem. Two things. He, he wore a crown of a priest and the crown of a king of Jerusalem. There is no other priest who was like this. They were either priests and prophets or priests, just priests. But this is a priest and a king of Jerusalem, just like Jesus. So he's a typical, he's a type, he's a copy of Jesus Christ. When the writer says this was just a rehearsal of the better things to come after Christ has come. Melchizedek is the is thing we have believed to be anchored in this life. Melchizedek could be the job and the qualifications. Melchizedek is what your husband has become. That you can actually decide to stick to your husband even when the Lord demands you to do something else. He has become your pastor. Melchizedek is that thing that which you, you value so much. Girls backslide when they are looking for a husband because the potential husband has become too big to be compared to Christ. When we say that Christ is better than Melchizedek, you cannot understand. It is too hard for you, the dull community. It is too hard to explain to the young girls that you can keep your sexual purity. That this potential husband can come and go. God has another husband in the sea. He has a husband in Turkey. He will bring this husband in due course because Christ is better than this potential husband. You cannot understand this because this is a dull community. But Christ is superior. Not only is being considered a, pipe, a priest after this uh, typical order, but he's paying down the ransom for the sins of the whole world and is satisfying the divine justice by this sacrifice, but also thereby opening the kingdom of heaven to all believers and giving the whole world an entrance to the holy of holies by his own blood. The writer knows it's very hard, even now, you are saying at what? What? For sure, we are very far. We are very far. These things ought to be very easy to understand, but they are still very hard to understand. It is difficult to explain to you because you are a dull community, dull of hearing. Your souls do not pace. They do not keep pace with the doctrines and the truths delivered to you. My brother and my sister, when we are discussing these things, it is true our souls do not keep with space, with, a, with a, the right pace, the right speed that the Lord expects us to be walking at. The Greek word that is there signifies a person who walks heavily and makes little speed. It is here elegantly applied to those who are called to the Christian race. Here, and they have the road laid down plain before them. How to proceed is specified and the blessings to be obtained enumerated and yet make no ex exertion to get on. 
but are always learning and never able to come to the full knowledge of the truth. He says very well in verse 12, by now you ought to be teachers. By now you ought to be teachers. But you've not been walking the right speed. He talks about the elementary principles of oracles. It's about the working issues. It's about the working relationship, what you are expected to be done. God has blessed me with a family. And I have given, as the head of the family, I have given assignments to every one of them. I have given them according to their abilities. And sometimes we switch abilities and tasks to give to one who is, who is younger than another. Sometimes. If we think that you are walking too slowly, we can give assignments, tougher assignments to the one who is walking faster. It is very frustrating. My family can run well if everybody runs at the speed at which we are now moving. We are not an elementary family now. We are not having small babies now. Now we are nurturing the ones we have. We need to move that way at our speed. Christ died 2,000 years ago. He expects us to have moved now. He expects the church to be transforming nations. You got born again. You received the gift of the Holy Spirit a long time ago. But where are you? By now, you are expected to be a teacher of the word. By now, you are expected to be a bishop. By now, you are expected to be having 200 sons and daughters who are running ministries by now. But look where you are. A dull community a frustrating concern of the high priests. The Jews had known, comprehended, and were once loyal to these teachings. But now they have forgotten and become sluggish. The drive is gone. They are growing through spiritual, they were growing through spiritual ranks from constables. They were becoming corporals in the spiritual matters. And they were laying hands on the sick. They are supposed to be baptizing new converts and transforming nations. But indifference has taken over. Complacency has put off the fire of the believer. Hell has celebrated this complacency and this concerns our high priest. The sergeants have, become, have been demoted to the rank of babies. Please, when you read this, when I read this, my, my listener, I feel frustrated with the Savior. I feel that by now we are called babies. Why are we called babies now? A baby is harmless but useless. A baby is very vulnerable and very helpless. A baby is always at the mercy of other people. A baby puts anything in the mouth, does not select, and, 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 a, and a baby and learns from anybody. Too complacent. A baby is very vulnerable. You cannot leave your baby on the road. The strangers will feed the baby. Whoever comes with food, the baby will eat. It's almost an insult for you to be called a spiritual baby. You have been in the Lord for long. To be called a spiritual baby, it is almost an insult. You have become useless. You have become vulnerable. We are operating below the graph. And the believer now proudly drinks milk. Only for crawling purposes. You cannot make big spiritual steps. You have become a baby. You drink milk. 
We are operating with law that grows. Instead of being teachers, now we are babies. And I call them the milk seekers. It looks like the, the writer is talking, calling us milk seekers. We have become unskillful in the word of righteousness, the word of salvation, also known as the ministration of righteousness, as we see in 2 Corinthians chapter, 9, verse, verse 3, chapter 3, verse 9. This includes the doctrine of justification and sanctification. When we hear about the word of righteousness, it is about justification and sanctification. Baby seekers, I mean milk seekers, do not understand these issues. They don't understand justification and sanctification. Milk-seeking Christians has this life of survival. You only survive waiting for the Redeemer to come, for Christ to come again and take you home. But how will you stand before the Mecca? How will you stand before the Savior who knew how to suffer and die and bring souls and bring many sons to the kingdom and you have nothing? If you went to stand before the Lord today, what would you produce before him? Him who knows how to tire. How many are be below you now, below the line? How many people have you brought to the Lord? How many people have you encouraged? What have you done in this life? Milk seeker. Seeking the milk. And you do not know what justification means. The milk seeking, you want to survive. Just like a baby. But none. Not one of impact. Your life is not that of impact and results like that of a sergeant. Mexicans are short of spiritual senses. They do not hear the spirit. They do not discern the will of God. They depend on senses of others and holy water and bottled oil for survival. They go from church to church. Look what is happening in the world. Everybody begins their own church and they have water. And they have oil. And this is all we have. And you do not listen to the will of God. You believe that oil will do something. You believe only holy water, sanctified by others. You don't know where it was sanctified. This is all you know. Make seekers, frustrated high priests. Not frustrated, but concerned. The writer expects us to take strong food. The word of righteousness. This is about knowing your position as a justified child of God. That you are a kid sister or a kid brother of the high priest. The holder of the right to step on serpents and silence hungry lions in dens prepared by men. Amen. To know that our captain lives forever and is a qualified advocate in heaven. I know who I am. I know that I have been justified by faith. I know Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. He is the head of the church. And if the head is in heaven, then the body is in heaven. Where he is seated, I am seated there. He has rights. He has power. Therefore, I have right to that power. I can step on serpents because I am a child of God. I know these words of righteousness. I know the words of justification. I know the words of sanctification. That I am sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. I am not judged. I am not condemned anymore. We are able to deal with our accuser perpendicularly. In primary school, we had a guy who used to, th to think that he's a professor of English. And he used to tell us in the language that we were learning our English there. He, he would say, if you joke with me, I am going to deal with you perpendicularly. And you know, we never understood because perpendicular was issues to do with mathematics. But you know, we can actually, now we are, if we know our rights, we know who we are, we can deal 
with our accuser perpendicularly. We can admit to our accusations and refer the arguments to our advocate in heaven. Our lawyer will produce his blood before the heavenly judge and declare us clean. We rise up again in victory and continue in the journey, bruised or not. We know who we are. We know what the blood of Jesus Christ has made us. We know what the works of the cross have made us. We know that we are now children of the Father. We know that the blood exists to cleanse us. We are not defeated in sin again. Even when we sinned yesterday, we are not going to say yes to accusations because the accuser of brethren will want to put you down and he wants to take away, he wants to take away the sting of the power of the Holy Spirit in you, and you are no longer useful. You cannot lay hands on the sick anymore. You cannot preach the gospel anymore. Where are those Christians? Where are those sergeants and corporals and, uh, and generals? Where do they go? And now we have only milk seekers. We have people come to church to listen, to sing a hymn, give their offerings, and go. And they have nothing else until next Sunday, and the world continues to suffer. Who told Corona it as a sting in this world. When Christ came and died for humanity, who say that Corona has a, has a sting? Who say that cancer has a sting? Who say that there is no healing for cancer this, 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 this century? Corona can still suffer defeat. Where are the Christians who used to go to a prayer mountain? Where are the Christians who used to slay the demonic attacks? A sister the other day last week, was sending me as an SMS telling me I want to know what's happening in Kuala because I have a group of old, old women. These are the Lord that are being told they cannot come to church, but they are strong. Those are surgeons. She's asking me want information, spiritual intelligence, so that we can arrest whatever is holding people in Kuala. They have narrowed down a particular place so that they can arrest. They wake up at, at, at three o'clock every day for several years and they never get tired. Where are those Christians who woke up and they knew who they were, but frustrations, concerns of a dull community, the beauty and the beast. It frustrates the listener. It frustrates the Savior. And as we conclude, what can we do? Wake up from your slumber. Wake up from your sluggishness. Wake up from your backslidings. Wake up from your indifference and complacency. Jump higher above those elementary baby steps and embrace the word of righteousness. Join our high priest Jesus Christ and transform the nations before the trumpet blows. Let the gospel continue even in our exile of corona. Our life must continue. Jeremiah was told by God, to write to, 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 to exiles in Jeremiah chapter 29, that even though you are in exile, let your life continue. Continue to give babies, uh, birth to babies. Continue to, to farm your lands. Even in this exile of corona, let life continue. In the exile of troubled marriages, let the gospel and the fire of the Holy Spirit continue. In your exile of financial turmoil, do not allow the accuser to put you down and to become a, a, a milk seeker. Continue in the journey. Even in your exile of turbulent health, when the body is giving up, we have a Redeemer. Because our Redeemer liveth. If we can just sing this, and you can stand up where you are, I just want to pray for you. 
Najua mkombozi wangu anaishi in Kiswahili in English uh, I know my redeemer liveth so we're going to sing in in, in in Kiswahili just just two sentences that I know Heavenly Father I thank you for the listener The listener who is defeated and has become complacent and Lord, it is all of us, Lord. We've become weak. We are below the graph. It concerns you, our wonderful yet consistent high priest. We have achieved far much below what you would expect us to have achieved with you now. We have attempted too little as if we have no mighty redeemer. We have accepted defeat and we have swum in sin. We are sinking and rotting in sin because the devil is condemning us. But we know that our Redeemer lives. We have a wonderful, consistent Savior. Your mercy is consistent, it never fails. You continue to cleanse us. We have the fountain that cleanses us our advocate defending us in the court of heaven. We take the blood of Jesus Christ. Look at this, my brother and my sister who backslid a long time ago and is there and wants to come back to you. Father, the blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross is a wonderful soap that you cleanse him again. You cleanse her again and bring back to the fold and fill him and her with, a, with, a, with, a, with, a, with the Holy Spirit and give us the power again and the taste again to continue the journey. Because of the exiles, Lord, our taste has gone. Because of our day, because of our exiles, Lord, the power and the sting of the Holy Spirit and the word of the truth and righteousness, dear Lord, has gone. And we have become very weak and toothless again. We are never prayerful anymore. We do not even seek bigger things, dear Lord. We do not attempt, attempt the bigger and heavy things of the Holy Spirit because of complacency. We repent of our slumber and we take the blood of Jesus Christ and the mercies of the Lord. Because he reigns, we will reign again. May the Lord bless you. And as we proceed, may I now pray for you as we go home. If you can, stand up and you can raise up your hands just like this and receive this, this prayer. Thanking you so much for sticking to us all this time together. Lord, I commend this viewer to you in the name of Jesus Christ, in your name, in the mighty and wonderful, lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I commend this soul to you, and I commend this body to you, and I commend their issues to you, and their unspoken needs to you, Lord. Would you, Lord, release peace and joy and revival to this beloved child of God, even this one who is looking forward to receiving you, may you 
get into his and our heart, those who are receiving you for the first time and inviting you to be Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, there shall be peace and joy and revival. And I pray for increase, Lord, and expansion. And I pray for open doors, dear Lord, and you meet the desires of our hearts because you understand us very well. Those that have tears, Lord, would you please uh, or, um, wipe them and give them tears of joy? Would you turn their messes into a message? Those that are already in a very dirty mess now, in a lot of problems in prison, others already in, a, in a isolation centers, others who are already very sick, others who are already in police cells, but this life brings us into messes, Lord. I pray that you shall turn it into a, into, into a message, and Lord, there shall be a reason to look back and say, Ebenezer, this Father, Lord, has been my portion. And therefore, Lord, may the, Lord's, may the Lord, uh, you, may your face be shine upon your people. May the Lord guide you and visit you. May the Lord show up in your going and your coming. May the Lord be your portion on Monday. Even on Tuesday, may the Lord shine for you. May the Lord show up in your issues on Wednesday. I don't know what Thursday will come with. But may the Lord show up in your circumstances. May the Lord become your sure refuge on Friday. I do not know what Saturday will come, but I know the Lord will be your defender. Because your Redeemer liveth, he will give you good health and money and airtime to be able to follow us on Sunday. Because he is good. You are blessed. I declare that you belong to the Lord. And now may the, Lord, may the, may, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy, of the Holy Spirit, Spirit be with us now and, and forevermore. forevermore. Amen. Amen. For we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. 